1: Now enjoy this broadcast of Hope and Faith Ministry, brought to you from People's Baptist Church of Boston.
2: The title of the message today is, We Are Children of God, based on Romans chapter 8, 12 through 17. To be a Christian is to be a child of God, a member of his divine family. We enter God's family by being born again spiritually, that is, by receiving Jesus Christ as our Savior from sin. That means recognizing that we can never get right with God on our own. Amen. But since Jesus Christ died to pay the penalty for our sins, we now have the right to um, trust in Jesus as our attorney, as the one who represents us before the Father. As Christians, we are in a constant struggle with our old sinful nature. The struggle with sin is often difficult, slow, and frustrating. Indeed, it can cause us to question our salvation if we don't understand the nature of the conflict that we have with sin. Paul describes this conflict in Romans chapter 7, 18 and 19, where he says, I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do, no, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. I also like the, the translation of the, of the New Living Translation. It says, I know I am rotten through and through, so far as my old sinful nature is concerned. No matter which way I turn, I can't make myself do right. I want to, but I can't. When I want to do good, I don't. And when I try not, not to do wrong, I do it anyway. And um, in Romans chapter um, 7 and verse 15, uh, Paul also says, I don't understand myself at all. For I really want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do the very thing I hate. Many Christians, in their struggle with their sinful nature, have doubts from time to time about whether they are really Christians, whether they are really the children of God, because when we see ourselves doing things which are not right, which we know that God um, is, um, is not pleased with, we wonder, are we really Christians? However, in Romans chapter 8, Paul assures us that in spite of the real struggle that we experience with sin, We can have victory through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit which dwells in us. And so in Romans 8, 12 through 17, Paul gives us uh, three reasons why we can know that we are the children of God. And the first is that we are led by the Holy Spirit. We are led by the Holy Spirit. Now, being led by the Spirit is one of the evidences of being a child of God. The Holy Spirit lives permanently in the life of every born-again believer. This happens at the moment we accept Christ and continues uninterrupted throughout our Christian life. So, Romans um, uh, chapter 8 and verse 9 says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. And then in verse 14 he says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Now the verb are led is in the present tense and can be translated are being led. In other words, the leading of the Spirit is not something that happens once in your life, or even from time to time, uh, but it's always going on. We are being led by the Spirit of God. Now, it is true that we do not always sense the Spirit's leading, nor do we always follow it, but He is continuously leading us nevertheless. Now, unfortunately, many Christians have the false notion that the Spirit's leading is primarily a supernatural shortcut for making wise decisions in life. To be led by the Spirit has become, for many, an excuse for impulsive behavior, a rationale for lack of careful preparation, and a substantiation for bizarre decisions. Now, I'm always skeptical when people say, the Spirit told me. Or the Spirit led me to say what I said, especially if your behavior seems off the wall. (laughs) What the Spirit tells you should be confirmed either by God's Word or by a fellow Christian. Does the Spirit provide a supernatural shortcut for making wise decisions? I doubt it. You say, but pastor, doesn't the Holy Spirit lead us into making right career decisions, right job decisions, and right choice of marriage partners? Certainly the Holy Spirit does lead us in making right decisions, but for the most part, he uses natural rather than supernatural means. For example, you are at a critical point in your life, and you are trying to decide what to do with the rest of your life. Well, you pray about it, you seek the Holy Spirit's leading, and all of a sudden you get, the, you, you get the information that you want or the decision that you want. But probably not. You see, in fact... It rarely works that way. Most of the time, we have to work at it, reading the scriptures, praying, seeking godly counsel, examining all the options, making lists of pros and cons, evaluating our motives, and then make the best choice we can. And only in retrospect do one gain certainty that our decision was a wise decision and a leading of the Spirit. No, I'm not questioning whether the Holy Spirit can give supernatural guidance from time to time. Clearly, he can and he does. But are we to expect supernatural guidance every time we seek God's leading? I don't think so, any more than we are to expect supernatural healing every time we pray for healing. You see, God does heal miraculously, but for the most part, he uses good doctors and proper medical care to heal us. So when I pray for healing, I'm not concerned about how uh, God does it as long as I'm healed. You see, we spend so much time looking for the supernatural that we miss what God is doing in the natural. One of the evidences that we are children of God is that we are led by the Spirit of God. See, when we experience victory over sin, when we see our sinful desires and practices diminishing, we can be certain that we are children of God because only God's Spirit can bring victory over sin. In the the same way, when we begin to understand the biblical truths that have long... uh, Puzzled us. When we experience God's uh, convicting uh, of our conscience, when we grieve for the Lord's sake, when we sin, we have divine assurance that we are children of God because only God's Spirit in us can instill such understanding, such conviction, and such godly sorrow for the sins that we commit. Our finite minds cannot understand how the spirit leads a believer, just as we cannot fully understand any of the supernatural work of God. God's spirit sovereignly leads his children in many ways. But the primary way is through the enlightening of our minds. The Spirit leads us by divinely clarifying God's Word to make it more understandable to our finite and sin-stained mind. As we read and meditate on the Scriptures and pray over it, the Spirit becomes our divine interpreter. We begin to understand God's Word and its application for our life situation. The Spirit not only illuminates our minds to understand God's word, but divinely assists us in obeying it. That obedience uh, becomes another evidence of our salvation. It is our Heavenly Father's desire for his children to submit to the leading of his spirit for the sake of his glory and for the sake of our spiritual well-being. But a second evidence that we are God's children is that we are given access to God by the Holy Spirit. We're given access to God by the Spirit. In Romans 8 and verse 15, we read, So you should not be cowering fearful slaves. You should behave instead like God's very own children adopted into his family, calling him Father, dear Father. He says slavery to sin is over for believers in Jesus Christ. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed at Calvary by Jesus with his blood. We are no longer children of Satan. We are children of God. There is therefore no reason for us to be in fear of divine condemnation. The ministry of the Holy Spirit is to help us uh, substitute the old feelings of fear with a quiet confidence that things are all right between us and God. It's the old spirit of slavery leading to fear is what we all experienced before we received Christ if we did so as adults. There was a bondage to sin and a paralyzing fear of condemnation, being fearful of hell. But there is no need for that now because in place of that fear, the Holy Spirit implants into our hearts a sense of security which enables us to go into God's presence and say, Father, dear Father. You see, the Christian is... is. Uh, never to tremble with fear or be tormented with anxiety. You see, God's wrath, having been stilled forever on the cross of Calvary, can turn, our, uh, can, uh, turn to, we can turn to our Heavenly Father with calmness and with full confidence that he will hear us when we come to him and not turn us away. As God's children, we can go to him with boldness, as Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16 tells us. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and find grace to help us when we need it. John tells us in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14, this is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And then as God's children, we have the promise that is found in Romans chapter 8, 38 and 39. It says, for I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from His love. Death can't and life can't. The angels can't and the demons can't. Our fears for today, our worries about tomorrow, and even the powers of hell can't keep God's love away. Whether we are high above the sky or in the deep ocean, nothing in all creation will be able to to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Uh, We are sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So in spite of our struggle with sin, we know that uh, we have access to God because we have someone representing us there in the presence of God. the third evidence that we are a part of God's family is that we have the testimony of the Holy Spirit. We have the testimony of the Holy Spirit. So let me ask uh, a question which um, most of you can answer. How do you know if you are a child of God? Now, in answering, someone might say, I know I'm a child of God because the word of God states that as many as received Christ, to them God gave the right to become children of God. That's John 1 and verse 12. And because you have received Christ, you know that you are a child of God because the Bible tells you so. You see, that is the right place to begin because the word of God is the foundation of all we believe and do. But someone else might suggest another way to know whether one is a child of God. For example, how about a changed life? Jesus said, by their fruits you will know them. Are we more like Jesus today than we were a year ago or two years ago? Or how about love for one another? Remember Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. But but there is still another evidence of membership in the family of God beyond those three that we mentioned. And it is to be found in verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are God's children. Let me note at the outset that the testimony of the Holy Spirit cannot be put to an objective test. While the testimony of the scriptures, the testimony of a changed life, and the testimony of loving one another are all somewhat quantifiable, measurable, and observable, the testimony of the Holy Spirit is very personal. No one else is privy to this testimony. It's just you and the Holy Spirit. You can claim you have it, and there is no way anyone can argue with you because it's between you and the Spirit. It's not open to public scrutiny. Now, there are two ways, however, we can... or two things we can say about about it. And first, this testimony provides a settled assurance that we belong to the family of God. Now, I've enjoyed the testimony of the Holy Spirit that I'm a child of God for almost 60 years now. Ever since I gave my life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has assured me that I am a child of God. I have never doubted my salvation Even in my worst periods of disobedience and rebellion, I knew that I was a child of God. The 19th century British pastor Billy Bray was converted from a life of sin and drunkenness while reading John Bunyan's book, Visions of Heaven and Hell. He was so continuously overjoyed by God's grace and goodness that he said, I can't help praising God. As I go along the street, I lift one foot, and it seems to say glory. And I lift up the other, and it seems to say hallelujah. And so they keep on like that all the time I'm walking. When non-Christian friends, other Christians, or we ourselves question whether we are truly saved, we can appeal to the Holy Spirit that is within us to settle the question in our hearts. Providing that assurance is one of the Holy Spirit's most precious ministries to us. But the the second thing is the testimony of the Holy Spirit provides a settled assurance that our inheritance is secure. Verse 17 Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Now, one of the most devastating things a human being can experience is to find himself or herself disinherited when a parent's will is read. Sometimes it is not so much the money or the property, as it is the feeling of abandonment and rejection that hurts the most my brothers and sisters we never need fear that we will be disinherited by our heavenly father the holy spirit testifies to us that we are heirs of god but paul says we are not just heirs we are co-heirs with christ you see in law there is a difference between an heir and a co-heir or joint heir if a man dies leaving a large farm uh, to four heirs the estate is divided evenly uh, and each heir receives 25% of the whole but if a man leaves a farm to four of his sons as heirs then each son owns the whole farm each one If they are joint heirs, then each one can say, that house is mine, those barns are mine, those fields are mine. You see, in human divisions, such a procedure might be undesirable because it would be possible for brothers to quarrel and fight over inheritance, as we know it takes place all the time. But in the divine procedure, it is perfect For we shall all be like Jesus Christ. Thus when the scriptures tell us that we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, we are being informed that everything that God the Father has given to the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has been given to us also. Everything that Christ receives by divine right, we will receive by divine grace we will not only see the glory which was Christ before the universe was created, but we will share in it as well. Everything he is, we are. And John tells us in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2, Yes, dear friends, we are already God's children. And we can't even imagine what we will be like when Christ returns. But we do know that when he comes, we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Amen. As children of God, we have a wonderful future awaiting us. And God expects us to live in the present in the light of that future. Ever since the ascension of Jesus Christ to the right hand of the Father. His return has been prominently taught and emphatically believed by all who have placed their absolute trust and confidence in the word of God. Although every age has had its share of agnostics, doubters, skeptics, and unbelievers who have uh, condemned, refuted, and denounced uh, the idea of the second coming, there have also been untold numbers of believers who have looked forward to and waited expectantly for the Lord's return. There has never been anything that has ever inspired more discouraged hearts than the Lord's promise that he will soon return for his own. There has never been anything that has ever dried more tears of sorrow and heartache than knowing that our blessed Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is coming again, or brought healing to more hurts and brought ease to more pain than believing this most precious truth, or helped the saints of God fear extreme difficulties with optimism and hope, like realizing that Jesus would soon return for his people, or cause more excitement and and uh, generated more enthusiasm for believers than looking for Jesus to descend in the clouds of glory. Although 2000 years have come and gone, this hope is as bright and as radiant as it was when Jesus himself spoke these words, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. It never grows dim with time. It never fades with age. It is this blessed hope that brings peace to the troubled mind, that brings joy to the grieving soul, and that brings comfort to the aching heart. It uh, causes the weak to become stronger, the despairing to become encouraged, and the anxious to become assured. So, when given opportunity, this hope can create blessings out of burdens, victories out of defeats, faith out of frustration. A Christian with this wonderful hope can see the stars on the darkest of nights, can see the rainbow in the blackest of storm clouds, and can see the streets of gold at the end of the long, rough road of life. Or, without this glorious hope, hearts turn cold, the load gets heavy, the clouds hang low, the spirit grows weary, and the way becomes lonely. For the children of God... Soon and very soon, the last battle will be fought, the last enemy will be conquered, the last tear will be shed, the last burden will be borne, the last problem will be solved, the last question will be answered, the last trouble will be encountered, the last grave will be dug, the last victory will be won, and the last promise will be fulfilled. What a radiant glory awaits the children of God in heaven and what's more Jesus will be the main attraction when we get there you see heaven will be a place where there is life without any death peace without any strife love without any limits safety without any fear joy without any sorrow light without any darkness health without any disease roses without any thorns beauty without any blemish, and worship without any rush. No wonder our slave ancestors could sing. Sooner will be done with the troubles of the world. Troubles of the world. Sooner will be done with the troubles of the world. Going home to live with God. No more weeping and wailing. No more weeping and wailing. No more weeping and wailing. I'm going to live with God. Amen.
1: Thank you for joining us here at Hope and Faith Ministry, a broadcast of the historic People's Baptist Church in Boston. We pray that you have been touched and inspired by today's message. People's Baptist Church is a Christ-centered, caring church located at 134 Camden Street at the corner of Camden and Tremont Streets. Our Sunday services are at 8 a.m. and at 1045 a.m. You can reach us at 617-427-0424. Come visit us in person or on the web at www.pbcboston.org. And tune in every Saturday morning at 1030 for another inspiring message of hope and faith.